Welcome to episode 43 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. So on this episode, we're very lucky to have Christopher Gregson with us. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. No problems. So Chris is General Manager of Space 66 Australia, but also one of the organisers for Glug Sydney, uh, which actually has its kickoff event tomorrow. You know this? A little bit, yeah. We've just been down to the event space, which is the Orient Hotel, um, which they're still finishing. Um, Finishes are in. Oh, so they're completely redoing. Yeah, the top floor where we where we're basing Glug tomorrow is is, is being redone. Nice. Um, but I was happy to know that they're running a different event there tonight, so that's what they're going to be working towards. Right. You know, we're cool, we're good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to they're going to test it out for us first. Hopefully, it's a D- DIY event where they they finish yeah. it all off for you. <laughs> exactly. So, just to give you a bit of background for our listeners, uh, so you studied at Leeds Uni. Yes. Um, London, born and bred. London born and bred, yep. Yeah. Irish family, London born and bred, though. And you started working with, uh, well, you studied geography, firstly. Yes. So, a bit of a weird one for what Space 66 is now, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I think um, I came from, uh, you know, while I was at school, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I never had that clear um, job in mind that I was going to work towards. So I just went for something I was really into, which was maps yep. uh, and human geography, politics, history. Really wanted to do history, but didn't have a history history uh, GCSE or A-level. Right. So I went down the geography route. I went to Leeds Uni because it was a big party town. And yeah, I didn't quite have the grades. They've got a really good geography school there and department. But I had just about good enough grades to do geography with transport studies right. and after a year of that they allow you to do straight geography and and quit the transport side so um, hold on <laughs> so the transport studies is this how you kind of ended up working at lango rock yes exactly that right yeah yeah so um, so i should explain what lango rock is for anyone who doesn't know so they're they're huge they're like big a construction worldwide giant, engineering yeah, yeah. Building, you know, everything from a bridge to a road to a school yeah. uh, to a residential block. I think they've just sold the Australian side of the business, but right. uh, worked with them after uni. And it was also because I used to work for a crazy Scottish stone cleaner called Vernon. Stone cleaner? Um, yeah, like acid washing buildings, oh, right. driving around London. I thought that had something with to do him. with the geography and I was just thinking, so there's actual job of someone going around and washing stones in England. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing career. Some of those stones have history, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the they're good called they're clean. Now. <laughs> exactly, they're called stone cleaners. Um, what they really do is kind of cover buildings with acid and then blast it off with a high pressure ah, wow. hose, essentially. Yeah. Who's that graffiti artist who uses the cleaning stuff to get rid of? Dust and so ah, he, I'm not sure. So rather than actually painting the reverse something, graffiti guy, yeah, yeah I can't remember yeah. his name. <laughs> so yeah. He cleans up work. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah. He can never get in trouble from the police because mm. he's cleaning technically. Anyway, then you moved into advertising, but there's a bit of a story behind that, isn't there? Because yeah, well, it's funny. So I come from a line of uh, ad men, I guess. My my dad worked for publicists mm-hmm. for the majority of his life. He was an account guy, and he convinced me when I finished my degree that the ad world wasn't for me you yeah. know he had probably left his career 
and was slightly disgruntled at you know the, the, the way he left the industry I guess right. he wanted more for his son as all fathers do and he wanted to, he loved the fact that I enjoyed getting my hands dirty rolling up my sleeves working with Vernon in and around London so we both decided collectively really that I'd go and work for Langer Rort, which had a great grad scheme got a car you know as soon as you start you get a nice. BMW it was all these I've got to do a fuel card so you can drive <laughs> around the UK for free on, on your weekends and I worked for them for four years I was up in Leeds for a while so I, I got to travel back to Leeds uh, I worked in Liverpool where I had loads of friends and family and wanted to live and I'd probably still be there now to be honest if they still had a job for me but we built John Moore's University Sports Psychology Building it took a couple of years and they sent me to somewhere called Barnsley, which is in the heart of Yorkshire, and there's not much going on. And I soon hated living out of a suitcase because I was driving back to yeah. London on the weekends. And my girlfriend at the time hated it. I hated it. It was just very negative. So decided to, after four years and plenty of great training, to give advertising another bash. And through a friend of mine, Katie Farmer, I um, managed to meet John and essentially he uh, we, we hit it off we, we, you know we got on instantly he needed a, a kind of assistant producer for Katie at Bartle Bogle Hegarty where we had a team called Addictive Pixel we were their digital production house yeah so how, how's that work Cause, so you're so do they have a number of different sort of in-house studios or they yeah kind of so they they were working with they had their own design studio uh, that focused on print and they also had Wellcom an Australian company who I'm sure you know running the, the, the majority of the print studio as well but they were, they were struggling with uh, the digital side of production so digitising some of those print assets yep. uh, digital banners you know, web development and even at the time kind of animations that might live in in social content or digital outdoor yep. they weren't quite getting it right at the time and they wanted a similar facility to what they already had working well with Wellcom and they contacted John who for years had been running kind of repro in-house teams at some of the biggest agencies around the world and they you know they knew that John had a digital model that that could be applied same process but applying digital and, and execution of digital assets. So we built the team around that. I wasn't working with them when, when he first onboarded at BBH, but um, I was with him a few years later. When I joined, there was probably 20 desks maybe. And the whole idea around Addictive Pixel was that the desks were interchangeable, so the skill set would change. Right, depending and, on what um, you need. Yeah, you imagine the, the studio manager sitting over the top of it. Um, a digital producer and um, and she was managing the day-to-day -day runnings and she was forecasting and resourcing based on the needs you know so it's it's fairly linear right you know which which projects are coming up you know which campaigns you're involved with yep. so you recruit the uh, with freelancers and with your your permanent staff of which we had about 10 and you shuffle you know the, the disciplines around and I guess we you know we we learned over the years that the same thing could be applied, the same process could be applied to other agencies, to different types of agencies, and also to, to brands direct. And that's basically what Space 66 has mm. become. Absolutely. Space 66 now uh, has, has a slight focus on brands over agencies, you know, and that's certainly where 
where we're most excited and where we feel we can bring most value. Mm -hmm. The inefficiencies that we've seen in some of the larger organizations, should we say, that are, you know, they're a necessity. And I'm talking about process. I'm talking about writing statements of work and estimates and and the focus on paperwork sometimes over execution. Yeah. And just, yeah, just rolling the sleeves up and getting on with it. And we've, we've kind of learned that our, our method of working often can be applied to brands direct where they're producing a huge volume of digital assets you know often those assets are following brand guidelines they're they are fairly uh, straightforward almost you know mm. and we feel we can apply value uh, in what we're doing based on that and our, on our process and it you know it's working well we've had some great success and we're, we're happy to be bringing that to Australia now so, so just to go back a little bit though sure. so space 66 was part of bbh yes yeah independently owned company right okay so we entered uh, bbh as space 66 yeah they felt that we needed to be called something else they wanted us to be exclusive to their clients so they wanted to rebrand us yeah uh, and they came up with a cool name so we were happy with that yeah. we Thank owned the much. name it was everyone was happy um we then went on to build similar teams in other agencies uh, under the name Space 66. Often we were uh, often we were either white labeled, so we were working on behalf of the client, yep. uh, the the agency that is, and liaising with the brands direct. You know, I think at one point I had about six different email addresses. Oh right! So it became a nightmare <laughs> to manage that. I've still got a few of them. But Who yeah. is that guy? Yeah, yeah, I know. Which one do I use? <laughs> So I would, yeah, we would, uh, our digital producers uh, and even even the designers and, and animators uh, and, and the rest of the team would often have agency email addresses as well as, mm. uh, as well as Space 66 ones. It's a fascinating, con I mean, this takes us back to guests we had a long time ago where we talked about sort of seeding inside brands, yeah, right. I guess. And it's kind of the same sort of idea, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So one of the problems brands often come up against is they need to create content quickly, right? Yeah. Um, and you can, we often get asked, why don't we just do this ourselves? It sounds, you know, mm. relatively straightforward. And yeah, give it a go. It sounds easy, but it's not. You know, at the end of the day, if you're trying to bring uh, a multidisciplinary team to the table, if you're trying, one thing you got to do is you got to keep your team happy. And the best creatives out there, the best designers, animators, developers, they don't want to be based at one brand for, you know, for three years straight working on the same brand. Um, it could also be a not, not a brand that they align with. Exactly. As, as well. They might not be right for it. Mm. And from a campaign to campaign point of view, they might not be right as well. Mm. You know, you might need someone with a, with a focus on beautiful type of graphic stylings or, or whatever it may be. And what we find is what we can do is we've got our, our black book of, uh, of resource that we tap into and our digital producer that sits in the brand will make sure that they're hiring the right team for the job. Mm -hmm. So that team may change day to day, week to week, depending on the campaign and the requirements. And I think you only get that when you've got a really tight process and you've got uh, a large uh, black book to work with mm -hmm. and also don't forget a lot uh, you know an in-house team a permanent team um, that you can tap into as well so it's kind of within London we're working really well at the minute because we've got a major studio there in Soho mm -hmm. where there's a permanent team 
uh, multidisciplinary team that we can tap into. So if one of our satellite brands in and around there or agencies need to tap into a particular person, right. um, they can go in. They're on staff. You know, yeah, we need you Thursday, Friday next week. We yeah. come in then. Um, and that's fine. And, and uh, I guess one of my challenges here is building that network, building that team here. And it becomes really interesting uh, when you've got three or four sites that are close by because mm. you're keeping the staff, you're keeping your team enthusiastic and engaged, you know. And they, they, they would rather work for, you know, certain brands that might produce cooler work. Everybody, yep. you know, ev we all want to have a really sexy yeah. uh, portfolio. Um, but then again, there's there's people like me that just love process and systems and, and kind of working through a systematic uh, method. And um, and yeah, that's where I guess we, we're beginning to talk more about uh, agile marketing and some of those processes, yeah, yeah. bringing that to the table. And um, yeah, it's, it seems to be working well at the moment. We've, we've attended some kind of industry events, I guess you could call them recently, and had a great deal of exposure to plenty of brands. And, and we had some really interesting conversations about that, you know. Mm. There's a there's a huge number of brands that are already decoupling production from creative agencies. Yep. And um, equally, there's some of the bigger brands out there are already building in-house teams themselves. Well, this has been a big topic that a lot of people have been talking about recently. Just this whole idea that in-house is becoming more and more sexy. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the in the sense of that. You, you're about to laugh because I'm not supposed to say sexy, am I? <laughs> I already said it. Just Sorry, every time. But when you say it, you can kind of pull it off. When Matt says <laughs> it, it's a bit, it's a bit creepy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, it's, uh, the reason I was smiling is that um, the the last episode we had we had someone from advertising um, who was talking about that that kind of whole model and how it hasn't really lasted and it's yeah. less less relevant perhaps today than it. And it yeah. has been in the past. And we, we seem to be going down this path a lot. It's interesting hearing, like, this is a totally new model that I've, uh -huh. I've heard of. It's, um, how would you, I know it's not, but, it, like, how would you kind of compare, um, like, recruitment to kind of what, what you guys would do? Because mm. some of the processes seem similar. Yeah, sure. Except more complex and maybe a, maybe a better understanding of systems and things like that. But Absolutely. So it's, you know, if you go to a recruitment agency and they might be the best recruitment agency in the world, and say, I need a producer to manage this campaign we're gonna do, and I think I need two designers maybe, for maybe the first two weeks, and then you know we're producing some HTML assets, let's go with an HTML banner developer for two weeks at the end of that. Um, they, could, they could find those people, and they might be, that might be a really good team, but, but they need to be working to a process, you know, and that's what that's what we've been doing day in day out for a long time. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we've got we've got access to those people, and those people work for us already, and they're working together, and all the nuances that you have to iron out when you're working in a new team for the first time. Yeah. Take a long time, you know, mm -hmm. a lot longer than than, than you would think. Um, so once you put that team together, and and they're all used to so the space 66 way yep. and our training and our process and the tools that we use you know we've got proprietary tools that we use in platforms in order to do everything from getting uh, clients to sign off our work at each stage to how we deploy to media agencies and 
and there's you know there's a list of of partners that we work with on a day-to-day basis as well so, um, so they're basically buying into that kind of expertise that one-stop shop kind of exactly yeah, yeah. we've been called kind of plug and play yeah. one-stop shop <laughs> um jack of all trades um and we, we so what we call it is co-located production you know we we kind of want to own that word no one else uses that there's there's onboarding that you, there's insourcing there's a number of ways of spinning it but kind of essentially what we we talk about in any of our literature is co-located digital production mm-hmm. um, you can own it because i've never heard it before exactly so, yeah, yeah you, you got it man Wicked. <laughs> okay people go collocated collocated no co-located there's no hyphen but um yeah so so that's what yeah we've been we've been doing it for a long time within agencies and the same question existed then yeah why don't we do it ourselves? you know mm-hmm. it gets really interesting when you can find efficiencies within the day it's not just we need a designer it's never we need a designer for eight hours tomorrow you know um it's i need a designer for five and a half hours tomorrow and yeah. i'm going to try and get eight hours work out of them and can we just call it four hours can they leave at lunch we're playing for <laughs> half a day so when you're actually managing a team and you're working on your own stuff you know in between the day i call it cement work it's like uh you've got four hours of uh the the, the brand stuff today yeah um it's probably two hours in the morning wait for a round of amends that feedback will come in late you're probably gonna have to work late tonight sorry um, because the, the client's going to feed back at five o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. What do you do in between? If you're working on other projects, either for other brands or for your own in-house stuff, you know, be it an extra page on your website or a blog article, yep. you become really efficient, you know, you really do. And um, I guess for a while we've, uh, f- for certain uh, brands and even agencies, we would we would have that agreement and that's where it becomes more kind of plug and play so you pay for what you use right okay. um so i guess if you are an agency that um that wants to do it yourself or you're a brand that wants to do it yourself you will find that you can't keep the team busy all the time so mm-hmm. the team becomes extremely expensive if they're not being used you're mm-hmm. bleeding chips so um that's uh, that's another aspect of of why you should um why you should kind of insource from a, a partner like ourselves i guess mm-hmm. um Co- yeah. co-locate actually. co-locate all the <laughs> way exactly hmm. so i just want to pick up one other thing though because you you talked about that you're from a long line of admin yes but i couldn't help but notice that the operations director uh is called thomas gregson yes is that yeah yeah related? so we keep it in the family yeah <laughs> So I convinced Thomas, my brother, that he shouldn't uh, follow his dreams and be in a really cool band and that, <laughs> that it was all about co-locating <laughs> with me. No, but um, yeah, he's, he's, he's fallen into it. Yeah, you're very observant. Um, he, uh, he worked for us for a short period of time, um, I think on his summer holidays. He's the smart one in the family. He's kind of the all-round perfect uh account manager producer ops director you know if there's a if there's a shit storm excuse my french uh you he's the person that, that you want in the room to organize everyone and yeah. calm people down so he's uh very quickly uh risen through the ranks and um yeah he's a real <laughs> asset and i've got my brother you know yeah 
uh, it's great. Yeah, it's really great. So I've obviously moved out to Australia. Thomas still works in the London branch, but we talk to each other through work all the time. So, um, Brilliant. Yeah. So, when, so when did you move out to Australia? So I came here in December, uh, kind of midway through December, and, and learnt that nothing really happens until February here. Yeah. It was very so quiet. Six, six <laughs> weeks at the beach. Exactly, yeah. Six weeks to kind of find digs and find an office because we hadn't uh, found a, a studio office yet. Yep. Came out here, uh, I was renting a couple of desks to begin with for the company um, and all the other fun stuff, all the personal stuff. So we're now settled, um, we're up the road in Buckingham Street. It, things are starting to really, really gain traction now, which is, which is becoming interesting. What's kept me sane and my initial worry being out here essentially by myself as in terms of with, with Space 66, I'm used to being really, really busy. Yeah, do enough global work. We've we've got enough work in in London and New York that that warrants them actually sending me stuff to do and getting it done locally here. Right. Okay. And that becomes really exciting to clients when you can you become an overnight facility as well. So why why Sydney? It's not we didn't just come because of the sun and mm. and you know the design community here and and i was gonna say to i was gonna say what sun as well because it's been yeah it's pretty been horrible. awful today and, and <laughs> will be for the rest of the week right no but it was um so when we opened the studio in new york we we found that the uh those projects that come in those last minute amends and tweaks and changes uh that always seem to drop at 5 p.m on a friday yeah um, could be sent to the team via WeTransfer, Skype, Trello, whatever whatever it is, um, and done really quickly by the studio in New York, sent back, clients happy they've got it Saturday morning when they wake up. And we began to use that more often than, than we intended originally. And we built a process around that because it's so important to get that right. You know, the second you, it's kind of like a restaurant, you're as good as your last plate. The second you drop project, the client's going to be all over you and say, yeah. "Oh, they follow the sun. They, they you know, they're sending it overseas. Mm. They start to, you know, wonder if you're sending it somewhere that's even cheaper, and maybe the quality's dropping because uh, of that, and all okay. those things." So we we spent quite a while figuring out the right way of working that, and essentially now we're we're following the sun. Um, really well and effectively and 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 why sydney opened the loop um or it's closed the closed loop. the loop, closed yeah. the loop sorry <laughs> funny one because i've heard a lot of people talking about wanting to do that but mm. then inevitably they find massive difficulties and yeah in, right in yeah would have uh, was my comment as well is I've, I've heard people say yeah this is great we've got we've got a london um, an asia pacific and um you know an american yeah place and yeah. then great this is going to be fantastic we can service our clients 24 7 but yeah you, you think you found you found the way well I, i'm probably lucky we're lucky in that the work that we're known for that our bread and butter the majority of the stuff we do and and the work that we share is relatively uh straightforward for us to execute and for us to do that mm -hmm. you know it's it's not a it's not a twelve month long project like a huge design piece yeah. that warrants one team in a dark room working side by side shoulder to shoulder throughout you know yeah. it's it's three four hour projects it's uh, display campaigns digital outdoor stuff 
it's uh, you know web pages that we might be designing, and it's stuff that can be shared ultimately. And and there's there's a lot to be said for the fact that you know I've had many a late night, many a weekend working with the team that I now still work with in London. Mm. So there's trust, right? There's yeah, you know, sure. If you're going to ask someone to, it, it's like when I was working with a studio back in London. I could I could have those difficult conversations asking the team to work late and they could ask the same from me, you know, ad hoc whenever it happened because yeah. you know you're a, you're essentially a family. The same thing applies now, you know. If I'm about to go home at the end of the day and the London office has just got in, they know they've missed the boat with me, but <laughs> they're always going to ask me to do it because they know I will because I owe them one from from somewhere along the line, right. you know. Right. And there's that trust thing, and, and um, particularly when it's your little brother asking you to do something, <laughs> and that works both ways. Mm. So it's it's cool, yeah, it's um, blood, sweat, and tears over the years, but it's um, I, I think that that's, I guess, why it's kind of working at the minute. Yep. And we wouldn't take too many risks. We wouldn't, it, it, it has to be a right fit. The project has to warrant sharing that work, yep. and splitting it up, you know. So the plan now is to start building more permanent space here where you maybe have yes. permanent team. permanent permanent f- fixtures um i like to think of them as desks mm-hmm. because as i say they're interchangeable skill sets and the constant will always be a kind of a project manager we call them digital producers so there may there may be four desks in a brand in a marketing department to, uh, for some of the week or for some of the month there might only be two people sat in them yeah but it's that ag- agile environment that the brand themselves can dip into whenever they want and soundboard ideas off, you know. We quickly learned through working with the agencies that we were we were working a, a hell of a lot um, as a kind of a soundboard, you know, our, our creative technologist, our head of design was being approached and it wasn't billable work, no, uh, right. which we had to factor in eventually, right. you know, we're, we're not making any money and we're yeah. helping them out day to day, probably <laughs> half our day is just answering queries, yeah. you know. But that's the value of being in-house, you know, your creative director or your account manager or your marketing director will have this crazy thought, why don't we do this? Or they've just seen a great idea on telly and they want to mm. replicate that. So they, they come, and they should, they should come straight up to you and say, is this feasible? Have we got the budget? How long does it take to execute? Um, yeah. and, and we're there to, to answer those queries, you know. So it's fun. Yeah, the, the idea is that we're going to build into a number of brands. We may even partner with a, a couple of bigger agencies that may need some digital production in-house but we're going to we're going to see how it goes with with some of the brands that we're talking to at the minute for sure my big question just from your perspective been here for eight months so you can talk about sydney specifically or globally mm-hmm. but what are the what are the needs of brands at the moment because this sort of stuff seems to be shifting quite a lot yeah right so we see we were talking about seeding before which is mm-hmm. language that we were using about you know someone going in and being part of the team of a comma bank or something like that you know which is we see this a bit in user experience and service design, but like, what other areas are you seeing seeing this kind of need? So I guess one thing is that the brands are producing loads of content. You know, they've got they've got their earned media, owned media. They've got uh, media spend that they've always had, and that's increasing too. You know, they're reaching out to customers now through their 
their own applications, websites, publications, and through their stores, through their brand at large. But 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 with all of that, there becomes a need to just produce more stuff. You know, it's right. more executions. And because of that, they're needing to look at efficiencies in how they produce it. So it's not just about bringing it in-house, it's about producing it uh, quicker, better, cheaper, that never dropping that quality. Right. Um, and that involves building your team, specializing, uh, knowing when to specialize, and partnering. So what we've noticed is video production is being talked about more and more by the second. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, let's. How do we produce films cheaply? Because mm. you know, Instagram and exactly Facebook. that. You know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, um, their websites. Plenty of brands now have their own kind of content hub sites, um, and they're producing blogs. Uh, so, so th- there's a need to produce valuable uh, content video content more and more now so we're having to do a bit of that but you know mobile banners uh, has been something that we've we've been heavily involved with for a long time and we're finding that we're, we're doing more and more of them now as well as, right. as there's there's more uh, interesting ways of, of reaching out through through mobile um, yeah I guess it's, it's just the volume I think right you know it's the volume so it's an interesting I had lunch with someone today who works in a very big publishing house and she was talking about uh, quite a few magazines shutting down uh-huh. but she was very quick to say oh but it's but it's only the ones that don't produce their own content yeah and I thought that was really interesting that the ones that are not kind of building their own content but maybe buying it in from other places mm. uh, are the ones that are surviving mm. and they're, they're particularly in print as well so yeah and she talked about that kind of idea that the clients are producing so much of their own content now yeah um, that it's almost like a, a person could choose to not necessarily go to a publication because they could get everything they need from the brand yeah right which is kind of interesting yeah and, and not just the publications you know it's you, you look at brands like Red Bull and the amount of content they're either producing themselves or aggregating, you know, relatable content mm. and pulling that into their site. You know, their site is the equivalent of BuzzFeed. Yeah. It's got that much stuff <laughs> on it. Yeah, you can get lost in hours of of just procrastination in that place, and it's great stuff. You know, it's mm. great stuff, and it, they've got a great fan base because of it. So we we look up to Red Bull in many ways. We often use them as a kind of almost as a case study for for how to do it what well could be you yeah. know how yeah. to do it well they've got a great in-house team they've got a huge in-house team and yeah i see them up there with with vice and and some mm. of those other publications that are just doing it really well mm. you know and and striking that balance of of volume and kind of authenticity and, and, and as a result they've got all these advocates out there that yeah lo- love them and, yeah. and for good reason so yeah no it's interesting it's interesting. We're being kept on our toes as well, aren't we? So that's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do we want to move, move over and start talking about the event that everyone keeps talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, right. the Glug. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what Glug is first. So it's a sure. It's an event in a pub. I would I would assume. Yeah. It's a, it doesn't necessarily generally need to it's be. An, a, it's an event in a cool space. Mm-hmm. So we got involved with Glug because uh, we've known Nick Clement, one of the founders, for a long time, and we love everything that Glug's about. And it's it's kind of informal. It 
it's called glug for god's sake so there's always a drink involved <laughs> there should be um, i think i think it's worth pointing out as well it's it's pretty massive now it's like in 13 countries or something yeah like absolutely i think I, I think it's in more so the 13 will be the major major cities where right. you know where it's um doing really well so you're london san francisco shanghai but uh it wasn't in sydney uh, which we just thought was too good to to miss and sam allen who works for us um, the second he joined, which wasn't even that long ago, said, you guys, like, he's a host at Glug in London often. Sam's been involved uh, from the early days at Glug. So he said, we have to launch this in Sydney, you know. And the more the more people I speak to about it out here, the more it feels like it's so right for Sydney, you know. Yeah. The, the, commu- the, the kind of design and creative uh, ecosystem here. Um, is so close knit and there's so much good work going on that um, we should be meeting up on a regular basis informally and talking about what we're doing. So and and obviously for our point of view, it's a great way to introduce ourselves to the market and get mm. to know people and nurture talent and all the rest of it. Really looking forward to it. It was so easy to to kind of organise. You know, mm. essentially found a cool venue, found some cool speakers presenters um and um and put it on eventbrite you know essentially because it, it's yeah. Start talking a, about it because it has it's been really interesting the amount of people have been sort of saying to me oh are you going to glug have you heard about glug yeah it's great and it's you know we we have other events in sydney but i haven't seen the sort of buzz around yeah. something like this for for quite a while yeah mm. there's you know the, there's there's a great foundation i guess with glug so you only have to go on their website which takes a, cu- a split second to see that it's uh, a very cool event. You know, it's it's um, it's all about not working. So it's a kind of play on words, obviously, from networking. Essentially, it's a chance to speak to like-minded people and for the design and creative community to talk about what they're passionate about. So, so the 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 kind of uh, I guess the top level look at Glug is is you get a three or four keynote speakers. But the brief to those speakers is uh, talk about what you're passionate about. That might be how you entered, you know, into the advertising industry, having worked at Lang O'Rourke, and what's that about? <laughs> or that might be about how your brand uh, has transformed itself over the last six months, or it might be how you launched an app to market in the last few weeks. Yeah. So we went about kind of trying to curate a really cool lineup. And one of the things you mentioned to me, I think earlier on today was, yeah, very kind of different speakers and not necessarily the norm. And that's exactly what we were going and for. I so think I happy about that. that kind of comes from with definitely, I think any design event gets into sometimes a bit of a funk where it's designers speaking to designers. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but your particular speakers were um, you, you're laughing at me because I said funk now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that another word that well, I'm just the way you there. said it. I'm just thinking about you saying sexy and funk like <laughs> way too much. But the speakers, it's it's not necessarily designers. It's I mean, you've got Airbnb there, yeah. uh, Toby and Pete. Who yeah, Airbnb are like right above us. Yeah, right. In this Is building. Where we are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. We are because yeah. I recognise the lift. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, you right. spend 45 minutes in it getting to level two. <laughs> you get a lot of time to get used to the song. Yeah, so, yeah. I've, okay. Oh, nice. Wow. There we go. You should come down together. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and you said 
as you said, Toby and Pete, who, yeah. we, who, we, who we know of as well. And Fantastic. One Green Bean, yeah. um, who, again, is more marketing, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. then um, Mache, which is, what would, what would you call them, I guess? They're a startup. They're People a, that made an app, they're right? They're an app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, a, they're a tech uh, collective, I guess. They're um, really, really inspirational guys, very smart. And they've, they had a great idea. They've all got day jobs, very serious day jobs, and uh, worked together and um, had this great idea for a social app. Um, and um, I actually went to their launch and had Glug in the back of my head because it was actually in Toby and Pete's old office, their studio, which was a really cool space that they've just moved out of. So I turned up and thought, yeah, this is where we're going to do Glug. This is cool. And then realized the next day when I contacted them at the venue that, no, we're, we're Toby and Pete. We're, we're a studio. <laughs> that was a one-off. You can't have it. We're moving out. All right. So we got into conversations then about their work. Toby and Pete do some amazing work, yeah. obviously. Speaks for itself. So as soon as they were up for it, we signed them up to the, to the launch. And... Um, and thought, yeah, let's get a let's get let's get the mache team here as well. And the brief to all four of the speakers was, talk about whatever you want. You know, it's all it's all interesting. It's all relevant. So Dylan from Airbnb is uh, head of public affairs. You know, he's not head of design. Mm. He's not their creative director. He's head of public affairs uh, for APAC. So he knows that it's brand inside job. out. Yeah, he's been with that brand for a long time. Airbnb are, you know, one of the coolest brands around for sure, you know. Um, everybody wants to hear the Airbnb story and there's no one better place to, to tell you about it um, than Dylan. But also the stuff they're doing in Dylan's market in these territories is probably cooler than what they're doing anywhere else in the world. Right. So he's going to be talking about that, you know. Um, so some of the campaigns they've, they've uh, been responsible for out here have just been very uh very different you know and um i won't say more than that but he, but he's he's going to be talking about some of that and who else have we got uh carl ratcliffe from one green bleak one green bean it's a mouthful sorry <laughs> one green bean are you uh, getting up on stage and you have to introduce people you yeah to i'm gonna have to i was just thinking that i'm gonna have to get, i'm gonna have to work <laughs> over that before i stand up uh he's going to be talking about uh kind of uh the importance of creativity today um, within marketing, no doubt, no, that's that couldn't be more relevant to the mm. to the crowd. So it's a cool mix. It's a very different mix, and um, so and it's it's but it's by design that you choose people who maybe not your regular kind of design crowd, I guess. Yeah, I mean, t to be honest, this is this is uh, very informal, um, and I picked or we picked people within our network. Yeah. So there's an element of that. We're we're quite new to Sydney. We wanted to pick uh, brands or, or people that were great presenters mm. and that had something that they were passionate about. As I say, Toby and Pete and Mache came about from me going to this event and they were just a right fit. It's kind of organized itself. The mm. whole thing has just been very fluky. And um, one of the kind of mantras for, for all Glug events is not just this is about net, uh, not working and this is about having a drink and this is about it being informal but something will go wrong tonight and that's completely fine it's very <laughs> laid back like yeah. they say that at the start of all glugs like something's gonna f up but you know just just stay with us you know we're all mm. friends or we will be by the end of the night yeah 
So it's I really like that. That's just it's a really l- relaxing way to go into yeah. the event. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah it it's, is. It and sounds that, a little bit like creative mornings, but with drinking. In, in yeah, yeah, and more informal. I think. I yeah. think can't kind of help but creative mornings be a little bit formal. Yeah. Plus, pe- plus people aren't drinking beer. Everyone's drinking their coffee. So yeah. if you don't get through the talk quick enough, everyone's kind of jittering <laughs> in their jittery. seat, yeah. thinking yeah. about their deadline. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we're really looking forward to it, and it's become way more interesting for us because we've got uh, we've got individuals banging at the door saying how do we get involved in the next one everything from venues that want to host the next glug to speakers that want to speak at the next glug so we're going to we're going to run a, a a follow up event i think we've got it on the on thursday the 13th of october mm-hmm. um, and we're going to keep it in the same venue it holds uh, it holds around 200 so it's right for now and then we're going to think way bigger um, and that by then the sun will be out and we're going to think about maybe some cool outdoor spaces. Yeah. We hope the sun will be out. The sun might be out yeah, <laughs> if it ever shows its face. So, um, you know, it could be. So has, has it surprised you, though, the kind of feedback yeah, you've had? Absolutely. Yeah. And even you saying, you know, in the last hour saying that you've a lot of people have asked you, are you going mm. to Glug? I find amazing because for a while it felt like it was just me and the team you know <laughs> trying just, to build up be our cool, followers trust me. Yeah, <laughs> trying to, like begging toby and pete to speak at it but they, they luckily they they uh didn't take much persuading they were all over it so they've been great and then from there it's just been a bit of um a bit of networking you know speaking to our our partners and our uh those that we know out here and um and figuring out who we can get so Hayden O'Sullivan, who uh, we work with and share an office with, um, who runs a company called Cirque Advertising, uh, knows Dylan from Airbnb really well. Yeah. You know, it's it's one degree of, of separation. Yeah, yeah. I, I come here and you tell me that Dylan, his office is above me right now. You know, they're <laughs> right. one floor above. That's, you know, that's how things kind of It'll progress. continue getting smaller and smaller. Over yeah. The next <laughs> yeah. Of months. yeah, right. And then you end up knowing everyone. And, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Have you got other, have you got people that you are desperate to see speak from from the Australian crowd? Yes. So there's well no to be honest. There's <laughs> you know I we we kind of we didn't devise a list of who we wanted to speak. Yeah. We simply it does feel like it's, it's more organic and relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. So I really like um, what Future Bureau do. I think uh-huh. they're really cool. So I got in contact with them when we had uh, Paper Moose on the bill originally. Um, so so Nick, the founder of Paper Moose, one of the founders was going to speak, but he ended up getting uh, a really cool uh, project to work on, which involves get, going out to Papua New Guinea and filming 360 VR stuff. It was oh, wow. just way, way too cool to turn <laughs> down. And he was desperate to speak. So we said, you know, no stress. Uh, it, one of the things that, you know, has gone wrong is that's probably the only thing and it, it wasn't a problem at all. So he's going to speak at the next one. Um, and I reached out to... Yeah, I really wanted either Future Bureau to speak or One Green Bean. And Future Bureau said they're up for speaking at the next one. And Carl said he was up for this one. So we're just going to let it progress like that. You know, we're, we're, um, we're also working with uh, Zift, who is a kind of co-host, Nicole mm-hmm. from Zift. 
and um, she's going to get involved with um, recruiting presenters. Um, who knows? Maybe you might want to speak uh, going forward. Lynn. You don't want Matt to talk. No. no? He talks too much shit. Funky, <laughs> funky sexy. Yeah, funky, funky sexy, sexy stuff. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, who knows? We might do some cool stuff uh, in the next six months that we're willing to talk about, you know. Yeah. Um, at Space 66. That's the idea. But yeah. It's very, very informal, and um, and I think it will it will kind of grow to the point where it's organising itself. Um, and there's there's great support from the Glug HQ in London as well. So they've got a dedicated team there that organise um, and help set up of everything. So there's there's a, a a kind of a process to follow. There's a great rule book to setting up a Glug. Um, there's great brand assets that you can dip into. Because it, it seems fascinating because if you look at the story of, of Glug, which mm. I hadn't heard of before maybe five weeks ago, I guess, maybe four weeks ago. Uh -huh. And it just it looks like it was just a bunch of guys sitting around in a pub kind of whinging, whinging about the industry. That's all it was, yeah. And just grew and grew and grew and grew. Yeah. So it's got that really nice organic kind of community feel. I exactly guess. that. Yeah, yeah. It's very community-led. Um but now they're um, they're they're trying to recruit other cities globally. So mm -hmm. yeah, if if any of your listeners are are in a city that doesn't have Glug yet, then get in touch with them. Mm -hmm. Nicole from Zift actually got in touch with me because she saw an ad in Computer Arts that from Glug saying Glug wants to come to your city. Get in contact with us if you want to run one. Um, she looked on the site to see if it was in Sydney because thought it would be great. She used to go to Glug in the UK and knew all about it yeah. and saw that we were we got there first. <laughs> so we had coffee and realised, God, we can collaborate on this. I needed some help, you know. <laughs> Our team needed help. Um, and it's, yeah, it's already got to that stage where there's three or four hosts. Um, we've got Comms Lab, Josh from Comms Lab helping as well. Um, and he's helped with, yeah, recruiting presenters and and just bringing people as well and getting mm. that word out between the network. Um, most of uh, most of the community knows about it already. So there's a few different formats as well. There's there's Glug Meets and there's Glug Presents. So I think Glug Meets is about kind of the curation that we've got uh, for tomorrow's event, as in a very eclectic mixture, maybe three, four, five speakers. Um, that's Glug Meets. No, that's Glug Presents. And then Glug Meets is um, is more of an in-depth view on maybe one agency or one design collective, yep. whereby maybe two or three of, of their teams speak, or maybe it's one longer, more in-depth keynote. And then there's there's various uh, forms that the evening can take. It might be it might be more of a, a immersive, entire day-long thing that includes workshops and galleries and the rest of it um so yeah we're uh, we're all for conversation <laughs> and if you want to get involved then please reach out to glug hq or myself that'd be fantastic yeah, yeah great brilliant takes really us towards the end of the show no way well, super well thanks very much it's thank been great you. to have you great to have you on the show great to meet you guys yeah great to be here thank you so you mentioned kind of people getting in touch with you what's the best way if people are interested i think there's there's two things like um like with space 66 like i'm assuming you're always looking for 
Yeah, people. we're always looking for. Uh, yeah, we're always any, looking like, to build the team. Specific needs at the moment, like any specific fields. So at the are? minute, if you're a, a very uh, savvy digital producer, we'd love to talk to you. Um, if you're a digital designer with a great portfolio and a can-do attitude, we'd love to sp speak to you. Um, if you're a junior producer, uh, if you're a junior anything, we want to speak to you. Be that um, you're looking for somewhere to intern, be that you're looking for your first role um, and you want to get involved in digital, um, then we'd love to speak to you as well. So we are recruiting at the moment. That surprises um, me that you're looking for for juniors yeah no absolutely you know um we're our, our studio we, we couldn't take on three or four but but we're always trying to um kind of mold uh from the early stages cool um where possible so it's probably come to the right place yeah nice one <laughs> you know? all right yeah yeah we should yeah. talk more on that <laughs> we should <laughs> off um, air definitely will and so how can people get in touch with you what's the best way uh, so you can get in to touch with me through at Chrissy Gregson uh, Christopher.Gregson at Space66.com um, regarding Glug use either of those or you can get to me through GlugSydney at gmail.com at the moment but yeah if you reach out through anyone at Glug it will get back to me through Slack and just sure. make sure you cool. type in Glug events as well, because otherwise you get a whole bunch of beer making supplies. Ah, okay. and yeah, yeah, gluggevents.com. Go down the rabbit hole of just thinking about drinking more beer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not all about beer. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, where can people find you? Leechworth on Twitter. Cool. And I'm at Flynn Tracy on everything. So thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy and want to support the show, you can give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's kind of the only thing right now that can kind of help us out. So um, yeah, do that. It actually helps a lot. Um, you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.